If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome to Movies, Films, and Flicks. I am Mark Hoffmeyer, and joining me is a man that's going to remind me that there are many spoilers in this episode. It's Mo Lightning. Wow, you—that was like the movie guy intro right there. Yeah, you know, I gotta try. I gotta try to be that movie guy, and then I just go back to my voice. But I, in a world full of deep blue sea, oh, one man will collect them all. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. Thank you for having me on the show. Thanks for letting me uh, check out Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania early. It uh, it was a good time. Yeah, and l- listen, normally I don't do, like, immediate reaction episodes about movies because I like to research them, I like to listen to the commentaries, I like to see the box office. But right, I enjoyed nerd, this so. movie, and I like talking to you. So I figured, Aww. let's talk about this movie. And uh, talk be it. warned, spoilers. <laughs> They're uh, one of my favorite podcasts, the last, the last Action Heroes podcast. They listened to our troll episode, right? I think I immediately spoiled the movie without saying spoilers. So I just want everyone to know this episode, it's going to go deep into the lore of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Quantumania, <laughs> it, makes me, it makes me think of a Phoenix song, Listomania. I, I love that you took a deep breath before you said, you're like... <sighs> Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. <laughs> the Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Come on now. But still, we had a good time last night, Mo. Like we we, we enjoyed did. this movie and it's currently at 61% on Rotten Tomatoes, which seems right. Right? It's a- I was going to say this is it's a Marvel movie. We'll all agree it's a Marvel movie, <laughs> but it's a Marvel movie that's still going to divide people. Yeah. And, and that's because there's a lot of CGI fights. Uh there's not a lot of characterization from people you would expect characterization from, but it's still a fun movie. It's a romp. It's a yarn. It's it's just a a trip into a it's a bunch of tiny people getting even smaller <laughs> to go into a realm full of creatures without holes and you have to drink ooze and there's just some really interesting characters like William Jackson Harper plays what quas like really interesting characters and it's yeah, un- yeah. It's like, I checked my watch mo it's under two hours before the credits so the credits are what may take it over two hours. So right. it's a, and they are long credits, too. Because <laughs> there's the Thailand department, and here's the Los Angeles department, and here's the Atlanta department, and oh my god, this movie was shot everywhere. I don't know how good it was, but our names were in the credits. People sitting in the theater in Atlanta. <laughs> it was Mo Lightning, Mark Hoffmeyer, everyone else. I'm like, you guys are good. This is Spaceballs level good. Wow. Working with a bunch of assholes. Um <laughs> <laughs> we were surrounded by him last night. We were, we were. This so Quantumania is a fun movie, and I will say, no matter how divisive this movie may be, we will all agree it's better than Thor: Love and Ragnarok. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Uh, 
and, and listen, you know what? I, I we were talking about this. I went to rewatch Thor Love the Thor Love and Thunder and whoo-wee, it it stopped dead in its tracks, man. It it just the humor stops everything. And those goats, get rid of the goats. Focus oh, on the so god. Bad. There's a Christian you have Christian Bale in your movie. He's not even in your movie. He's in a movie <laughs> by uh, Darren Aronofsky. Darren Aronofsky got, loves covering religion Crow in movies. Just like ad-libbing stuff and just giving uh, whatever accent he wants. That that movie was trying to do too much. Quantumania, dare I say, was not doing enough. <laughs> does it does it. and and listen, they get there fast and they yes. leave there fast. I, I was like, it's that easy? I remember like, wait, wait, is that easy to leave the quantum quantum realm? And it's Mark. Mark was was really hopeful for a lot more Baskin Robbins action, which admittedly was still more than you expected but yeah listen i i kid because i just wanted baskin robbins and listen the world has to expand the world has to grow you need new characters as the older characters are kind of aging out you need to introduce kang you need to make smaller characters smaller but all i wanted was the XCon crew to be chatting about true serum at walton goggins restaurant for 120 minutes then you get ghosts coming in you know, just everybody bring in every like Judy Greer pops up. Just everybody she was mentioned enough in this movie, but you don't see her. Jimmy Woo pops in, does some close up magic, and then it, like my favorite moments of this movie were are, are when people were buying his coffee. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when he's walking down the street, the inner monologue uh, that he's uh, sharing with us. It, it, I think Ant Man's better when he is around other individuals, like in a more humane sort of way. He's around a lot of CGI characters in this one, and I don't know. As as great as the technology has gotten, you can only act so well next to non-existent CGI characters. Yeah, exactly. He and and also. It's just it kind of takes you out of the movie a little bit because, you know, at the end when he's when you have Paul Rudd boxing Jonathan Majors, Creed Three's Jonathan Majors, he's getting <laughs> whooped, but he's landing some punches. You're like, no, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're, I think it was more believable when Wasp comes in and, and puts up a fight. You're like, oh, yes. yeah, I get it. Eventually, and Lily can fight. Like, I feel like she would gouge my eye out in a street brawl. Like, I, Paul Rudd, I think he would just hug you. <laughs> he he would cry and maybe try to cheap shot you with a low blow once you turn around maybe at best and fail at it and then yeah. just be like no 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 uh but it's but i gotta say though it's it's a day later and the more i think about it i i'm gonna i was talking to my wife megan like i'm gonna buy this movie i'll put it on in the background if mm-hmm. i'm making cookies if i'm cooking dinner i'll put it on i'll enjoy some quantum shenanigans but you know what my biggest complaint is no sharks yeah, uh, but my biggest complaint was the beginning of the movie where they get into the quantum realm because Janet Van Dyne had been in the quantum realm for 7,000 years. Right. AKA 30. Okay. So she's been in there for 30 years. She pops back out and she's like, it was terrible in there, y'all. So so what happens? Dr. Hank Pym, Hope Van Dyne, and Cassie Lang, they're like, hey, let's build a machine that we can send transmissions down to the quantum realm. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go open up a, uh, quantum realm taxi service. <laughs> yeah. An Uber. And yeah. you know what? We're going to, we're going to not tell Janet. We're just, you know, Janet won't even talk about her time in there. She wasn't like, listen, I had a jacuzzi. I had a pet. I was hanging out with Bill Murray. We were hooking up. Like, like it was awesome Man, there. I joined a rollerblading team. Creature. It had broccoli for a head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, nothing, nothing at all. So the family thinks this has got to be a good idea. Let's send a Google Maps truck to the quantum realm to start scanning everything. 
listen, if you're an inventor out there and one of your family members or friends gets sucked into the quantum realm <laughs> and when they come back and refuse to speak about it, don't build a, like you said, a Google vehicle that can, you know, map everything in there. Don't do that. Don't get yeah. that Prometheus thing that can go in and map it all. Don't do that because if they loved it in there, if they were the head of their cheerleading squad or if they started a Starbucks franchise and told you all about it, cool. But if you're like, I'm not talking about it. Uh-uh. We're not doing that. Yeah, so that was that was obviously very weird, just the family dynamic there, because they're supposed to be so close together. Uh, the other thing would be, did they not turn it on before this live demonstration? Because it worked, but that's when they discovered the signal. That's when MODOK was able to track that signal. So, could, like, what happened? Like, did they not test it ahead of time? Or maybe, maybe that's when MODOK started paying attention, like, how long has this been operational? Because there was no flaws. Because she's been trying it for a while. They 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 tested it a little bit. You'd hope so. Yeah, but... they they did a, they did a few test drives around <laughs> around the quantum realm with their but vehicle. That, but then that uh, towards the end of the story, and maybe this comes back around in in a Marvel universe somewhere. But they turned it off. You know, they they unplugged that shit. They're like, no, this is we're done and over it. Janet Van Dyne wanted to make sure nobody was getting anywhere. Then it like reopened up because Modoc was able to trace them. Fast forward to the end of the movie when they've rebuilt or replugged in whatever that device, who's to stop somebody else from the quantum realm from coming back again? Yeah, because they can trace that. Right. I mean, maybe only Modoc could, but I don't know. Yeah, and he did become an Avenger, Modoc. Right, right. In his death, his very noble death. Which, by the way, let's talk about Modoc. The puke was great. Mwah. Magnifique. The puke, the puke was lovely, and the little butt shot of him—he <laughs> looked like Ren. <laughs> is it Ren or Stimpy? Oh, that was uh, that. Oh yeah, that which was, almost that the was dog. A little bit of Ren there, I yeah. think. Yeah. St- uh, I will say I've been a big Modoc fan most of my life, and not because I respect him as a character, but because he is such—he's such a weasel sort of character. <laughs> I love Pat now Oswald's take on him in the uh, Hulu series, uh, but they nailed him. They nailed this character who is brilliant, but somehow just deficient enough everywhere else in life that they perfectly got him. And I like that they had Darren, the former uh, Yellow Jacket. I, I like that they brought him back. Yeah, and, and listen, having Corey Stoll, like, a lot of people talk about Yellow Jacket being one of the more boring villains in the MCU. He did his job. He had a train fight mm-hmm. in a child's room. That's amazing. But having him come back and just have fun. Yeah. And just be a, a jerk. And just and just, like, just a little bit off. You can yeah. tell the brain, like, he was put back together, so to speak, but not all the pieces were connecting. Like, you don't have to be a dick. Wait, I'm a dick? <laughs> I guess I am a dick. It's never too late to stop being a dick. So he he's he's fun. Like, that's the reason why I want to revisit this movie. And when I look back at the first couple Ant-Man movies, my favorite scenes are with, with Luis and the X-Con crew. But there's a scene with T.I. and Michael Pena where they're in a van. They're like, back it up. Uh-huh. Oh, we're back doing. it up. Back, back it up. up. What do you do? Back it up. Back it up. Back it up. <laughs> That's not a necessary scene, but they let it breathe and it, yes. they let it have so much fun. And then you have, you know, all the stories he tells, and then the flashback scenes too, where you know, uh, I'm sorry, not the flashback scenes. Yeah, like he he does the talk about how I met this person and she knew him and then she knew him and then she knew that. And then I also love the truth serum bit and Ant Man. Like it's just, and then the whole Baba Yaga subplot. It's like they let it breathe. Like those are my favorite. I feel like Ant Man's maybe the one franchise maybe with the guardians where they just let it breathe they just sort of let people have fun and talk about totally inconsequential things 
And I know we were transitioning and talking from MODOK, and they let MODOK breathe and yeah, have fun. Yeah, exactly. But but the movie, and I've been trying to figure out like what one of the things that bothered me most about this movie is the fact that there is so much happening in this two hours that not a lot breathes. So they, they pop in the quantum realm, they get separated, they meet an army, they drink ooze, and then, let's see, then there's another thing, you go to Bill Murray, and then they get they escape, and then they find another army, but that army gets destroyed, and then she gets kidnapped, they both get kidnapped, and then Kang monologues, and then they do some stuff, and then ants show up, and then there's a giant battle, and then some blue, blue, blue helmeted orb guys get wiped out. I didn't mind that design, though. Yeah, that's I, I cool. do like, uh, if they're going to be these faceless, nameless ghouls, then, okay, I like how they look. Yeah, they're better than the, like, I don't like the, the, the shadow demons in Thor Love and Thunder. I don't like the, whatever those animals were in Infinity War that just chewed through the thing. Like, yeah. I don't know, they're called, like, Burgers or something. I don't know. And then, I, I think that's exactly what they're called, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say something real quick. The Frost Giants, they get a bum deal in Thor. <laughs> they really kind of do yeah you and i are frost giants we're the head of it we're just hanging out in frost world and loki shows up and goes, hey man i'll set you <laughs> I'm up one of you yeah i'll set you up you can kill renee russo and odin really all right we show up and then it fails because it's supposed to yeah. and then and, uh, we sneak in try to grab something and then they catch us and then they show up to our planet and thor just wipes out a quarter of it and then they're like, oh, hey, go kill. And then and then I, we get jump back to, oh, you go kill her again. Then they get, you get killed. Like, they're just, they would have done nothing in this movie. Just show <laughs> on their cold planet, sit in hibernation. Loki shows up and just kills them all. You know, but that's, they were living a good life until Loki effed things up. <laughs> and which, if if we needed to find a Loki in this movie, it's, uh, it's Cassie. It's Cassie Lang. She, uh, it's her fault. Uh, I know everybody, even you're like, no, it's not her fault. It's her fault. Yes. She screwed up. She done screwed up. Hey, Cassie. Cassie's like, it was my fault. And everyone's like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, I get in those situations. Don't be like, yeah, it is your fault. But you could just be like, listen, it's cool. You're, you're 18. <laughs> Now's not the time. <laughs> like, you're 18. I wasn't around for five years. I'm still treating you like a, a kid. I probably wasn't around as much. You're trying to, like, live up to things. Your dad's an Avenger. You got your grandpa who's lying. not telling your grandma anything. She's been in a planet for 30 years. <laughs> like, I get it. It's cool, but yeah, you you messed up big. Don't do it again. Just please You're listen right. to me. Yeah, but then we'll like, talk no, about no. this when we return to Earth. But for now, let's not die. I like Catherine Newton though. I like yes. her in Freaky. Yeah, you know, yeah, I read an interview with great. her. In this, I will say everybody did a great job. Do not get me wrong. Michelle Pfeiffer was outstanding. Uh, we have yet to really touch on Kang, but Jonathan Majors was outstanding. Like everybody did a good job. It's just to me, this was just a big setup movie. Giant Obviously, setup Kang's movie. the next Thanos. And you gotta you gotta get them introduced somewhere. It's a little odd. I, I I've had a lot of people ask me in the short time since we've seen it, is there a lot of cameos? Obviously no. There's not really much in the way of cameos. There's not a lot of crossover in this. It's this is more of a Kang story to me than anybody else. Yeah. Maybe Michelle Pfeiffer, but but an Ant Man story. He may be the title hero, but he it's not his story. It's not his. This goes the way of every single Marvel franchise too, where except for Iron Man, where Thor. It's kind of it's a lot of Thor. Then Thor two, it's all the people, and Loki's more involved. Then Thor three, it's like give me Tessa Thompson, give me Hulk, uh -huh. give me Kate Blanchett. We're like Thor's in it a little. He's in it, but he's not in it. Cap in the first one, he's all it's all, like all Cap. Then he's with Scar, Joe, and Anthony Mackie. And Civil War is everybody. Right. So it's yeah. like 
this one's the same thing. And and you know what I love most about the Ant-Man 1 and 2 is that it was about family, but more like adopted family. Because he wasn't, he didn't know Hank yet. He didn't know Janet mm-hmm. yet. He didn't know Hope. He just had his ex-con crew. It was like a... He was trying to be a good father, but he knows he was a screw-up. There was good parental issues there, yes. You have you have his friends acting as family. You have his family. This one's just his family in here. There's not like his adopted family, the ex-con crew. You couldn't have put him in here. They would have dragged this movie into the abyss and wouldn't be necessary, but I'd Although, still Although, the ex-con crew in the quantum realm would have been something else. Luis's reactions With the to van? everything. With the van? <laughs> oh, him and Gentora knocking people out? Yeah. Or even him just afterwards, even if we didn't see him, like he got lost and then we're just catching up with him afterwards, his stories. So I met, the, I met this reptile, man. And let me tell you about the snake. And it's, uh, they show up at the end. And like, oh, been great. What, what'd you guys do here? Oh, you guys got to hear about <laughs> us. Cause the quantum realm's huge. We were just having French toast and we got sucked into this crazy new world. And <laughs> Oh, they recaps it. I yeah. love that. And did you? Is this a sidetrack here? But uh, Kevin Feige went once went on the record to say that there is footage of the Luis character uh, recapping the entire first phase of movies through uh, Endgame. <sighs> that that footage exists, but it's never been released. Why not? Just put it in theaters. <laughs> I would pay for it. Just put. All right, have him recap all four phases and every TV show in the theater. That's it. Great. Remember, We're great. Give him give him a half an hour. Disney Plus show. Boom. There's a special. I'll subscribe for a year to watch that. I don't care. <laughs> give me that. And that would be so good. It's it, it definitely missed that back and forth for sure. And that's yeah, you know, that was disappointing. But as a fan of villains in general, we are, I already expressed my love for Modoc. Kang was outstanding. Yeah, I mean, it's just his presence, right? And yeah. I want I want to say it right here. I've said it a billion times, but I watched The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And I saw Jonathan Majors in that before he had done Lovecraft Country, before he had done mm-hmm. The Harder They Fall. And I'm like, this dude's got it. This dude, People are going to be sick of me saying this. But I was like, this dude's got it. And now he's gotten it. He's, mm-hmm. it's already he's been gotten. Now. Yeah, and uh, watching his presence, the one thing I missed is that, and I'm sure we'll learn it, but, you know, with Killmonger, he – you kind of understood his his point, right? I'm not I'm not gonna be the weirdo that says he's the hero of the story. He's not. Even like, everyone's like, right. no, he's not the hero of the story. Like some people are like, he's the hero. No, he's not. You can understand where he's coming from. That doesn't make yes. him the hero. It's Thanos, the like you get him, right? Like you're like, yeah. yeah, I get Thanos. The biggest problem that I hope with Kang's is that what's his deal? Like there's what he he just wants to destroy, and that's cool and all, but all my other Kangers. We're kind of destroying the timeline, so I want to destroy them. So where is the sort of, I think a good villain maybe with you know with a Loki too. You need that sort of emotional connection. Baron Zemo in Captain America: Civil War, like mm-hmm. with listening to those voicemails. So I think how are we going to get that with Kang? And that's and that's a good question. But since there's and that's they the do first a great time job, someone's those... ever asked me that on this. I, this is over 500 episodes, and I think that's the first time someone went. That's a good <laughs> question, Mark. Mark this down. What is the date today? Um, I, I do think it is a legit question, but we don't know what the end form of Kang is going to look like moving forward. Because we know we had he who that uh, he who remains from the end of the Loki series on Disney Plus, and he was the sane civil one. He was the one that said, "I'm keeping everybody safe. You know, you do whatever you want. You want to kill me, fine, but you kill me, you're opening up 
uh, a whole bad thing here. And so they kill him. We obviously have seen the multiverse and the branches already starting to leak out in movies and shows. Uh, but now this guy was supposedly the most dangerous one. And now he they claim that he's dead, that he got absorbed in. So you see in the post credit scene, this council, all of the Kangs being brought together. And uh, I, I don't know if the worst one's already dead, then maybe we don't get the worst one. But now we get the most psychotic one. And maybe finally we get the backstory of what inspires Kang to be so devious. But maybe it's simple as he's just not a good person. Why are you and doing this? Because you're home. Wait, that's strangers. Or them. I mean, that's but, a good line. But that's also not necessarily incorrect, though. We know that there are just people out in, in this world of ours, the real life, that just aren't good people. People that just have a screw loose. And we also know how uh, tempting power can be. You know, a lot of people want power and control. And that, as simple as that endgame might be, you know, if you have all the knowledge in the universe, why not use it to your advantage? Well, that's a great point, too. And and, and listen, maybe that'd be a nice deviation because every villain, I think, in the MCU so far has had to be somewhat sympathetic. So if Kang just comes in and starts busting heads and, and busting eyes and biting noses and poking eyes and pulling ears... <laughs> Giving noogies and wedgies, and yeah, we can't have that. Where most of the Marvel villains, at least on uh, on screen, have been mirror images of people. Yellow Jacket and Ant-Man, Iron Monger and Iron Man, Killmonger and Black Panther. Like, you get a lot of uh, same versions, mirror images. Maybe Kang is is the opposite version of someone. Maybe he is the ultimate evil where... A Captain Marvel or whoever has to save the day in a couple movies, maybe they're the the give all and he's the give none. He's the Joker going to the museum, throwing paint all over the works of art, you know, just because he can. Let's just recreate that scene. And they should just put Michael <laughs> Only if Keaton there's as, bat dance with it. As Batman. Michael Keaton's Batman in the MCU now, too. Just put him in. So then everyone freaks out about it. Give it 20 years, we will have DC and Marvel characters interacting on the big screen. You're a very smart person, Mo, so I'm going to ask you a question. I think out of the 500 episodes that you've hosted, that's the first time you've ever said that. <laughs> to all my guests? <laughs> that's why I bring no, smart people on, to make me smarter. Oh, it's a Mo, it's a Mo. Yeah, that's true. The first time I ever said that to you, I'm like, don't ask Mo. Now, Batman. Keaton, Adam Clement told me that his nickname was, if you mess with Keaton, you get a beaten. He murders people in Batman, and he murders people in Batman Returns. He blows up 30-some henchmen. He kicks a henchman down a well with dynamite. Right. And the first one, he drops those bombs and kills countless henchmen and a facility. So when Henchmen Affleck, just trying to pay the bills, by the way. When Affleck, yeah, they get a, a leather jacket and a beret, and then they get murdered. I but mean, you, Bob the Goon probably worked hard to get the name the Goon, you know? To get a name. You don't start as the Goon. You're like Bob the intern at first. You're Bob the new guy. He gets and, you just, and Batman just ruined it, you know, just ruined all of that upward momentum. You know, my guys were like working for dental insurance because once yeah. you get a name, you get dental. Right. So why did why were people so mad about who uh, Batflack killed, like beating the tar out of people and Batman v Superman? They're like, Batman doesn't kill people. I'm like, he killed people in the first comic books. And he killed people in the the Burton Batman movies. Why were if people... I had to guess, I think some of it was an underlying anger. Uh, towards Superman snapping Zod's neck, 
that I think they were just worried that every character was going to be this bloodthirsty hero at that point where they, I think they, they, they came around on Batfleck eventually myself included. I was never mad about the violence. I just, I just don't care for Ben Affleck as an actor, but maybe because we just saw Superman do that. Maybe we were worried that Batman was going to be, you know, he's going to maim someone or like tear out their insides. I don't know. Okay. Going back to Ant-Man. I just want that answer because it always bothers me. Now, <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10, how cool is Gentora? Cuz she's a beast. Uh Gentora's a beast played by Katie o, uh Katie O'Brien. Katie mm-hmm. M O'Brien. She's a yeah, beast. Get that in M movie. in there. Yeah. Get that M. I liked her a lot in this. Good good. This is like I'm not going to say good look, but she was just jacked and like yeah. good actor she was had jacked. the hands. You had no uh, you had no doubt that she could fight. She was a warrior. You know, a little bit of characterization from her, not a great deal, but for a secondary, thirdary character, it was impressive how much you actually uh, grew to actually like the character. Yeah. And when you watched the Blobo guy, Kirby, and then when you watched uh, Quaz together, you, you like them. That's pretty rare. That's I think that's maybe Ant-Man's strang- strongest, I think that's one of their stronger, what, what's the word, aspects of the franchise, is that I love Judy Greer in this franchise, mm-hmm. but she does nothing. The kid was good. Uh, you know, Even the the uh, her new husband, yeah. new husband. Like the, the you find a way to connect with the characters very quickly in the Ant Man franchise, and I think maybe that's why it was so disappointing. There were so many CGI characters in this movie because they don't have the same natural charisma that that a lot of these characters do. Uh, but with that said, this is also one of the most comic booky movies ever in comic book history. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, big, like, are you talking about maybe like a Kirby type, like Jack Kirby style animation? Jack or like Kirby just... animation, the wild ideas, the crazy alien characters, but you still got the superhero. It's just, it is a very, like, when I started collecting comic books uh, back in the 80s, like, this is the kind of story I'd expect. It wasn't all, you know, Batman solving a mystery, which they did have those too, but... I liked the over-the-top carnival nature of comic books, and this movie did it. I liked the X-Men run in the 90s with Bishop, and it was more violent, but I liked yeah. the time travel involved. That was a cool run right yes. there. It's not a Quantum yeah, Realm. That was a great that. run. That was, uh, the X-Men are my favorite, so yeah. good call. I got Quantum, I got X-Men 280 through 290. I have that run with like Bishop nice. and Storm. I but, think I was 281 through like 330-something. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, hey, there we go. That's All a right. good run right there. And And... But I've never collected any Ant-Man comics, I'll tell you that. No. Never. I do have that Avengers comic where Hawkeye is shooting Ant-Man on the edge of the arrow. I have that one, but that was the closest I ever got to an Ant-Man comic. I mean, listen, there's only so much you can do with Ant-Man. And I think the re- the Paul Rudd casting was perfect because mm-hmm. you just like him. Yep. So he is really the everyday man of the MCU. And, and Peyton Reed even said this, where Cap is Cap, Tony's a billionaire, you have... Uh, you know, Banner, who's a scientist, and then you have the ex-con, Baskin Robbins, fired employee, <laughs> yep. becoming the superhero, and it's I, I think that uh, I think that allows you to connect with him because one thing it just allows him to be a fanboy, and then another it just allows to have some humor and have like a non-serious like you know Cap's been through it, mm-hmm. and and Ant-Man but but at the same time it's hard to find Captain America, Iron Man, Thor. 
against somebody you feel they don't have a chance against. Whereas Ant-Man, and even in this movie, Kang's like, you talk to ants. Everybody constantly belittles him. Like, even the neighborhood thinks he's Spider-Man. That's a part of the joke. So when he does have a battle in front of him, he is automatically the underdog already. And I do like that. Yeah, exactly. And even he, can, he even when he gets huge, he still yeah. is just huge. He's not, mm-hmm. he's powerful, he, but he's not, you know He's what still I mean. a goofball. Yeah, even yeah, exactly. when he is 40 yeah. stories tall, he's still a goofball that still could trip over something, you know? When he goes Kaiju Ant-Man, he's still Paul Rudd. Exactly. Now, uh, one thing I, I learned is that is that Peyton Reed, the director, was developing a Fantastic Four movie in the early 2000s, and that actually became the 2005 movie, uh, what directed by I think what Tim Story and the much more mm-hmm. vibrantly colored film that really like this goes heavy on Jessica Alba. I had to rewatch that. I had to watch every Chris Alba uh, Evans movie recently. I'm like, I feel bad. She's a billionaire now with Honest Brand, but I was like, poor Jessica. Right. It's like. She was at the height of her popularity back then, that's for sure. Not handled well in that movie, but it's <laughs> he he wanted to go to the quantum realm and he wanted mm-hmm. to be in the sixties. And so he has a very strong attachment to Fantastic Four. And I think there's a little bit of that in this movie with the family dynamic, with the mm-hmm. the 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 kind of arguing, the bickering, the I don't know, did you feel that at all? Like I feel like this was very Fantastic Four y. I, I absolutely got that vibe. Yeah, that this is what a Fantastic Four movie could be. Will we get one like this? I guess time will tell. Uh, but you're right, like the family dynamic, the back and forth, it's very over the top, very fantastical. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. I, I think that's all great there. Even though we talked about this movie, we talked about Kang, we talked about how it ends quickly, begins quickly. It's still a good time. Oh, yeah. It's a run. It's just one of those that you can, as I said during the uh, uh, credits, you can play on your phone during this movie, <laughs> yes. and you're not going to miss much. If it's on an airplane, you love it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I've had a lot of people ask me already in the short time since we've seen it if they're going to be confused watching this movie. Because Quantumania, they talk about the, the travel, getting in and out of there. Like It seems like it would be intimidating, but if you've seen it, like we have... They do a good job of explaining things. Yeah, absolutely. So watch Loki, the watch Loki and the two Ant Man movies, pretty much, and you'll sort mm-hmm. of understand Kang, and you'll understand yeah. who he is. But they do explain. I mean, you've, the timelines are fine. They were messing up the timeline, so I wanted to do it. Then I got stuck here. Like mm-hmm. it's enough. If you just walk into it blind, right? You'll pull it together. I mean, it, first and foremost, it's just a yarn. It's an it's an inner space, but in the quantum mania, you just get sucked into a thing. Shenanigans happen. They yeah. come out. No major character deaths. Which I had a couple questions for you, and uh, that was one of them. Are you surprised there were no major character deaths? The only ones you could kill are the most obvious. You can't kill Paul Rudd. Like, if if Paul Rudd got his face punched off by Kang in this movie, and his skin separates from the bone on his face, and you can see his eyeballs without the skin, that. just obliterated. It would scar people for ages. Mm-hmm. That leaves that leaves Hope, that leaves Cassie, Janet, that leaves Hank Pym. But that's the easy kill. Or any other new character introduced. Exactly. Yeah. Like uh, Flash from Avengers, like Ultron. Like That leaves them to get killed. And Quicksilver. I, I, oh, yeah, uh, Quicksilver. Oops. That's all right. I called it Thor, Love, and Ragnarok earlier. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. That dude, though, I like him. The guy, 
he he's in oh uh aaron taylor johnson yeah like he's in a movie called uh the outlaw king and he's a he's legit in that in that bullet train i hope he's bond they're saying he might be bond i i, I hope so too actually and uh i've never once i'm a dude i've never once watched tv or a movie and be like man that outfit is sharp i need to do that until i saw his character in bullet train i needed to get a new suit for a wedding so i'm like i gotta get this blue pinstripe I got to get it. That movie inspired me to buy fancy clothes. I think that, oh, listen, he pulled off the dialogue in that too. Like he proved he's Bondy with the quips and with Brian right. Tyree yeah. Henry and, and all that. But uh, yeah, but killing somebody in this would just be the easy kill. So don't do the easy kill. I, I, that's boring to me. Like that's so Marvel. It's like, who are we going to kill? I don't know. What's the easy one? Like, you know what? Let's kill off Scarlett Johansson, the Oscar nominated actor who we've squandered since iron man and yeah let's just kill her and then let's put a prequel out that has nothing really to do except for introduce her family right it's yeah i mean just just don't don't do it don't do it i mean i thought at most what they would do here uh with ant man is maybe he gets stuck in the quantum realm on the way out like not not everybody makes it back which it really seemed like that was going to be the case. And then Cassie's device works again. Or he gets like, like, like uh, Kang, he gets sucked into something and everybody assumes he's dead, but he's not. Hey guys, I'm still in here. Exactly. Like, Shut up. But everybody else starts moving forward and, oh, we miss Scott so much. So I know I'm surprised that we didn't get a death. Uh, like you said, Ant-Man would have been the biggest one. I really wondered if Wasp, was going to be killed off. Evangeline Lilly, her personal views seem to conflict with Marvel's a lot. So don't know how much uh, time is left on that clock, but kill it off. Uh, Janet or Hank. Don't I don't know. It, like you said, it would have been the easy one there. Yeah. Don't do it. Like just, and, and listen, I thought they were going to be stuck in the quantum realm, but then they're like, Oh, Hey, be boop. And they're back in with their daughter. I'm like, what? Like, I thought so are they were... just going to keep pulling people out then? <laughs> like if they can travel, then just, Let's, let's let's go get this one. Let's go get that one. Like it's just, I don't know it, but it's it's Ant Man. The, the quantum realm has gotten easier over these movies. Like I remember, at least there was a callback when Cassie oh, yeah. went large. When Cassie went large, and then she went back down again, she fainted because of the pressure and whatnot. That was a good follow up, but like you were supposed to go to the quantum realm and lose yourself. That was the thing is if you go down so small that you just forget. But yet, Michelle Pfeiffer knows how to fight all of these badass people down there. She knows how to do all the in-air control panels, you know, all of the beep, boop, boop, boop. Uh, like, she didn't seem to forget a damn thing. And nobody else seemed to lose their minds on the way down. Like, what happened to the quantum realm? This is not my quantum realm. <laughs> it was really hard. Remember in the Ant-Man and the Wasp, how tough it was to get in there? Like, you mm -hmm. just... This is really hard. And then they're just, boop, hey, what's up, y'all? I'm in the quantum realm. Yeah, now, now the 18-year-old girl Twitch. figured it out, which I'm not saying a girl can't figure it out. It's just like, I don't know, she's got a brainy family. It probably runs in the family. It's just, it's all a little too convenient in this movie. Yeah, and, but it's Ant-Man, right? So it's, I think. But it's Ant-Man. I, I think what, you can't just not criticize a movie like you just did. You're absolutely right. But I think sometimes, like, the context of Ant-Man, people are, like, all of a sudden just. I think you just got to look at this movie in context of what it is. It's just an Ant-Man movie. So as an Ant-Man movie, it's not better than one and two, but I, I, I have no ill will. I feel like some people have ill will towards it. They're like, it looks like mud. 
It's stupid. No. You'll want to go home. It's like it doesn't look I agree. like money. I have I have issues with this movie, but it's nothing I'm gonna lose any sleep over. It's <laughs> yeah. nothing I'm gonna get worked up over. It's just it's not a perfect movie, but it it's enjoyable. And that's and to me that's all that matters. If this was two thousand and two, like TBS or TNT would be rubbing their hands together like, Oh yeah. <laughs> This movie's going to play every day on our channel. Like, it's that kind of movie. So that's the Finally, kind of review I'm going to write back, it. Like, back to the Dark Knight again. All right. If I had to give it a grade, I would just give it a B minus. I, I, because I don't think I've ever given a Marvel movie an A. Never. Really? No. I don't think so. Maybe Iron Man? You are a dick. But the good thing is you learned it's never too late to not be a dick. But like, Okay, okay. Like, I... <laughs> I really liked I really liked Winter Soldier. I thought Winter Soldier was an A, maybe an A minus for me. Can I tell you something? It's your show, so yeah. Oh yeah. Wait, this isn't the Mo Hour. It's well, it could be if you want it. <laughs> you just take over. I um, mean, so, first time. So many people talk about Winter Soldier, and they're like, "Oh, it's like a 1970s political thriller," and I kind of would be like, "How many 1970s political thrillers <laughs> have you watched?" So I'm just glad you didn't say that because then they'll, I don't want to be a jerk about it because you like what you like, but they, they heard the director say that and they're like, yeah, it's a 1970s political thriller. I'm like, what, name three. And then they're like, well, I don't know. The director said it was. I'm like, what? It's, it's still a good movie. It, it, I like the lo-fi aspect of it. And I think the final battle of Winter Soldier is great because it's human. You know, Falcon get, yes. he, he takes one bullet. He's done. If he gets shot in the artery, right. artery like, he gets shot in the leg and hits a, it's an artery. He's done. Uh, it, regardless of the tone of the movie, I, I liked the action in it. I liked the characterization. I did like uh, Captain America's growth, Bucky's growth. I mean, like, there was a lot to that, that it was a superhero movie, but didn't scream superhero movie. And this Ant-Man screams superhero movie. Like, this movie is not going to be the one that changes Martin Scorsese's or Seth Rogen's minds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know what I hate, Mo, is... You and I were at comic conventions for many years, and I think you and I sort of know comic book fans. And we yes. know fandom in general. Mm -hmm. We have spent a lot of time around fandom, and we've watched each individual fandom and seen how they act. Like when you do a, a panel, you can tell the difference between a Doctor Who, between a Marvel. When you do an autograph signing, you can tell the difference between a Walking Dead fan. Yes. You can, you can tell the fandom. And my problem with Marvel right now is Scorsese has every right to say, listen, sure. $200 million movies – are not going to take wildly artistic chances like a Terrifier 2 or an After Sun. That's an sure. after, absolute fact. But fans get so mad about it. But what these fans got to realize is Marvel's won. Like, Marvel has won. <laughs> they yeah. are it. It is in the mainstream. They make a bill. They make two bill. They make 2.5 bill. Like, mm -hmm. they are giant movies. And... You don't have to defend it like you're the 1990s one kid in class who's in the back of the class getting made fun of for playing Wizard mm -hmm. and reading comic books. Like, you are yeah. the mainstream. So, hearing, like, Seth Rogen say, I'm not a fan, like, that's fine. Like, But people still act like it's it's that thing from the 90s. But you got it's one. It, it doesn't need them. Like, it's not. Yeah. But I don't like people saying these movies are art. That's my big. And, you know, that that's not the movie's fault. And I can't, I can't hate the movies for it, but come on, y'all, like put it in some perspective with these yeah. films. Yeah, it may not be a, uh, a a masterpiece of artwork. It may not be. It shouldn't the, be. 
at, at the world's most established museum. It's not uh, the Louvre, you know, it's not, you know, somewhere like that, but it doesn't mean it's not art. And obviously we love it. We've always loved these movies, uh, going to see them. You've worked on a lot of the sets. So we, we enjoy, but I don't know if, if a piece of cinema, if a movie not being good is the worst complaint you have in your day, you got it. You got a privilege. Yes, friend. yes. If you were so mad that Martin Scorsese, if that's what makes you mad, then you're living a good life. Yeah, yeah. And, and like Scorsese's done enough that he can justify this. Seth Rogen, I think he's trolling people. He's yeah. said a couple things lately that I think is just a string of events to help him promote something coming up. Yeah, get my Probably the new season of The Boys, even. Like, yeah, I think Seth's just playing people because he knows how to. But Scorsese, he has gotten to that point. If there's anybody that's able to talk about cinema and should lead the conversation, he's near the top of that list. If if I ever have to diss Marvel in public, I'll just be like, before I do, though, I'll say, listen, this is one of the greatest produced, written, managed mm -hmm. franchises in the history of cinema. The way that they built it from... John Favreau and a you know, recently rehabbed Robert Downey Jr. Well, probably since like 2002, but like dead on his career, they took a chance. Oh yeah, it was a gamble. Like, they he, died. And, and Iron Hemsworth. Man was not an A-lister. No, and Hulk People that didn't that. do well. And they, they they built and they managed and they mm -hmm. they really made these movies into events. So if you're looking into production, if you're looking into Kevin Feige, if you're looking into the studio system, these movies need to be appreciated and applauded for mm -hmm. big budget filmmaking that is tied many of and many have tried and failed to do this so i have absolute and the utmost respect for yes. the team behind these movies i just sure you know what you can call these art absolutely a lot of people are doing brilliant art and i got to see some amazing sets but all i'm saying is when you're making a 200 million dollar movie you can't take I, I, wild artistic chances that are why I love certain movies. Like it can't be a Kubrick right. movie. Obviously, the, it can't. So the, the Fast and Furious franchise may exaggerate more and more per movie, but there is still the underlying theme in every single one of them because that's what people want. And and listen, that's my favorite movie franchise of all time. Okay. Non ironically, I said favorite, so don't lose your mind. It's not the best. Well, I'm still I'm still taking a moment, still uh, computing. It's beautiful, man. And let's talk about the literal artwork. Let's talk about the animation, the CGI in this movie. For as much as there is, I give them a lot of credit. Compared to some of the other recent Marvel projects, this CGI was crisp. Uh, yeah, very crisp. And I will say the you know the recent uh, Wakanda Forever, there were some kind of non-crisp moments. I think in Thor: Love and Thunder too. You're watching some of it, and you're like, "Ee." She-Hulk. So, yeah, She-Hulk. Some debatable yeah. ones in there. I ain't... This is uh, so when I saw that they're promoting this as a living green screen movie, that there's so much CGI, I was worried. But even like the broccoli people were pretty cool and they they, they nailed it. I don't know if they put all the good talent on this project and they put the uh, the reserves on the other ones. But the CGI, I can't I don't remember anything standing out that awkwardly except for maybe just Modoc being weird and we're just not used to processing that look. Yeah, that's an odd look. But a head still, with T Rex arms and legs. That works for Modoc though, because Modoc's odd. So right, right. You don't. But and, like, 
your first time seeing it, like us as humans, we're not used to seeing that. So it takes a moment. So maybe the CGI looks weird, but I think it's just because the body is just so weird. It's not, but yeah, I mean, and listen to the costuming is, is wonderful as well. And, and Bill Pope, I mean, who has shot some beautiful, I mean, Bill Pope shot Dark Man. He's worked with Sam Raimi, like wonderful cinematographer. You were excited when Bill Pope's yeah. name appeared on the opening credits. Like, oh, Bill Pope. That's my boy. Like, uh, yeah. But yeah, watching the costume design, I don't really like the new monsters in the Star Wars movies. I've watched movies where you go into a bar and it's a bunch of monsters, and I've, they felt very cheap to me. Yeah. But watching the monsters in this one, you, you definitely, I mean, we talked about it. You get Phantom Menace vibes, you get Attack of the Clone vibes, you get Return of the Jedi vibes. There's a lot of Star Wars in this Ant-Man. A lot of Star Wars. But I like the creatures, like the broccoli one, like when I, the, the, the one with the holes. Like, I like the, cre- I, I feel like None of them, I looked at them and just went, they slapped a helmet on that thing, and it looks terrible. Like, I liked mm-hmm. the vibe of the Quantum Realm. So, uh, yeah, you're right. The technical work in this, the VFX, the costuming, all top-notch. Mm-hmm. And, and it looks great. And this is a totally visual world, so maybe they have more control to make it look more crisp. They're not on location, trying to blend yeah. in VFX True. with the real world. And, they, you know, they maybe could budget for the different artists because they knew how heavy of a load it would be. But, yeah, I mean, it looks great. And I'm going to watch it on TNT. I don't even have cable. I'm going to get TNT just to watch it. So, yeah, that's I'm going to steal your login and watch it. That's my final thoughts about this. So, hey, uh, I like doing polls. So you, we can do – we can do let's do let's do this. Let's do the – the. I'll put it up on Movie Films and Flicks. We'll do the – no, I don't even want to do a poll. I want you to tell me which four MCU characters you'd like to go into the Quantum Realm with and have like a journey, not like a quest. Not You're not going to die. You're just going to have a journey with some peril. Which four are you taking? Is everybody getting along, or are they following their heel-face alignments? Whatever you want. Hmm. <clears throat> That's a good question. Uh, first and foremost, because I'm a male, uh, Scarlett Johansson's going. Just in case I get safe. tired of looking at all the craziness outside, I got something nice to look at there. Um, Personality-wise, I don't know if Black Widow and I would get along very well, but, you know. Uh, Luis. Yeah. Oh, ooh, I don't know. Luis would be funny, but at the same time, we get him in small doses. Mm-hmm. Maybe hanging out with Luis for days on end with no break would not be as fun. No. So I actually might, I might, I might take that one back. Unfortunately, Darcy. Yeah. I would pick Darcy. Yeah. I like her personality. She's got that great sense of humor back and forth. Notice I'm not picking like any huge names. I don't want to deal with Thor and his no. ego or. Robert Downey Jr.'s drunkenness. Brother. Not his, like Tony Stark. Tony, Tony Stark's, Stark's Tony drunkenness. Stark. Let me correct that. Um, Captain America would be like two goody two-shoes, don't touch anything. Wanda's great, but, you know, not in her current state. Yeah, Doctor Strange is going to be like, oh, I already oh, know all this. Terrible. He'd be a little too know-it-all for me. Uh, maybe Spider-Man, because, again, the sense of humor. He would have the same sarcastic jokes I would have. And I feel like we would feed off of each other pretty well until somebody like a Black Widow tells us to shut up and behave, you know. So I got I got those two there. Okay. Darcy, and yeah. then a fourth one. That was a good question. I know. That's the second time someone's ever said that to me. Yeah, no, on the same show, no less. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't know, like I just I, I'd want to hang out with a good group of people. So he's not in the MCU yet. So maybe this is a, a <coughs> excuse me. I'm cheating with the human torch, Johnny Storm. Ooh, right. I mean, he can fly and do the stuff, so he can, you know, he can look out for us and that. I'm gonna I don't take, know, put me on the spot, so I'm taking. I'm sure if you ask me again in a day from now, I'll have a radically different four. Come up and send it to me. I want to hear it. Do you want to hear my four? 
Yes, please. Darcy, Luis, uh, oh man, she's awesome. Tessa Thompson, Valkyrie. Valkyrie. She would just okay. do all the fighting. <laughs> so I got those right. three, and then I'm trying to go through all the shows, all the, let's see, all the movies. Let's see. I mean, She-Hulk seems like she'd be kind of fun too to hang out with, in either form. Yeah. Because Jen Walters, she she's fun, smart, some uh, sarcastic, but then She-Hulk is just a badass. Whoa, and her and Darcy would get along. They would. And, and if you all of them would get, get out along. Of there, like you said, we're not going to die, but if you need to get out of there, She-Hulk could just look at the camera and say, like, all right, guys, we're done. <laughs> yeah, that's who I'm taking. That's fun. I like it. I would hang out with them. That'd be awesome. I mean, Moon Knight would be kind of cool, too, because you oh, just don't know who but... you're hanging out with that day. Uh-uh. Okay. So I got <laughs> – I'm just going to make my – Darcy – Luis, Valkyrie, I really like the She-Hulk, but I'm taking Scarlet Scarab. Okay. Because she's awesome. And that costume oh, yeah. is incredible. And I paid a lot for her pop because Megan's a big fan of her character. <laughs> and I have right. her I have her Scarlet Scarab pop because that's a cool look, and she's awesome. Layla, yeah. like mm-hmm. she has her own Tomb Raider episode. So, yeah. No, I'm going to take that Crocodile God. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> so, uh God, we're taking five. I'm bit? taking five, and I'm adding She-Hulk. Those are mine. Wow. So you get to add You're one. Take, okay, I only get four, and you get – You can add one. You can add one. But you can't have any of mine, so get over yourself. <sighs> no, and I kind of – I don't know. I kind of oh. want, like, uh, uh, like Uwatu the Watcher, you know? Oh. Jeffrey Just Wright? Just so he could – what's that? Is that Jeffrey Wright, the Watcher? Yeah. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright, yeah. Get, get him, because he's a know-it-all, but he's, like, a laid-back know-it-all, so he won't tell you anything unless you ask. To so be like, hey, Uatu, what's that over there? Oh, that's from this. Da, da, da. I'm like, I oh, know. He'd be educational. I'll be like, Jeffrey Wright, read me a book. <laughs> read me the – what's that restaurant that has, like, everything on the menu? You know what I'm talking about? It's always in malls. Uatu, <laughs> Jeffrey Wright, read me the Cheesecake Factory menu. <laughs> yes. Fajitas. And with scallions. Liquor. Margarita. <laughs> floater, twelve ninety nine. Like, oh, I would just listen to that all day. Yeah, that would be pretty good. And I was very hungry. jealous when he got that role because I've always loved The Watcher. But then I'm like, I never wanted to be an actor. I don't want to be in any of these movies or anything. But if I could voice over a character, I always wanted to be The Watcher. Oh, he's the best. And now Jeffrey Wright took my damn job. Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> Waffles. Hours. Ten a.m. <laughs> to midnight. Tip your waiters. <laughs> well, hey, Mo Lightning, where can people find you? At Mo Lightning, M O Lightning, uh, pretty much all of the different spots. So uh, feel free to uh, reach out and tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. Hey, I listen to your episode. You suck. Thanks for the. Hey, hey be constructive with your feed with your feedback. You know, like, let me know what you think. It's a free you podcast. Know, in a weird way, it's flattering, even when haters do it, because they take the time. You know what the problem with MFF is? What's that? I'm the, like, it's kind of a chill place. Like, I, I, I rarely share the really angry hot takes. Right. So then I, I rarely get the, the diehards, and I don't get the really angry people. I just get kind I of, get yeah, that. Mark's chill. Anybody not aware, I used to, uh, I ran a pro wrestling website uh, starting in 2005, ran it for about 17 years, and uh, uh, we were never that hot take group either that, like, if you don't like it, don't watch it. That was our, our mentality. We didn't love everything or everybody, but we didn't get those people in return. We didn't get those angry people, and I was okay with that. At this point in three months, who are the two main highest-ranked champions in the WWE? 
obviously Roman Reigns is up there. He holds both world titles and probably only because they have a world record setting uh, uh, run as well. The Usos, Jimmy and Jay Uso, and all of them are in a group together, but they are very dominant. Well, Cody Rhodes still have his necktie. Cody, yeah, yeah. Cody uh, still got his neck tattoo. He's probably going to win that title at WrestleMania. So, yeah. All right, I like it. Well, uh, hey, man, thank you yeah. for joining me. Thank you. Oh, oh, gosh. Two good questions. All right, so for me, Mark Hoffmeyer from O Lightning, this is the Movie Sons of Flicks. We'll see you next week.